Darling, we've had one hell of a time But the question on everybody's mind Where is the Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This podcast, as you know, is supposed to be listened to only in the evening. Uh, <laughs> welcome to <laughs> Ideas Don't Bleed. Uh, we, we always say Ideas Don't Bleed presented by Ashcan Press. And I once asked them why they say that because it annoys me. And they reminded me that I said, you have to say that every episode. And I don't remember script. saying that, but yeah. apparently I'm supposed to say that. Featuring? Uh, featuring me, Matthew Rosenberg. You, Ethan S. Parker, normally Griffin Sheridan, he is trying to join the podcast via an Etch-A-Sketch, so we're not sure <laughs> he's going to be able to make it today. Um, so, yeah, we're going to be doing this a little light. We lost some dead weight, or, you know, maybe everyone tunes out now because he was the one they were tuning in for. Mm. But he we'll took see. the evening podcast thing really seriously. He was trying to do this from the bath. Yeah, he, uh, was, he was already in bed when we started. <laughs> he was in, and now he's asleep. Um, we are joined today. I'm just going to get right to it. I don't have anything to talk about. We are joined today by a comic book writer, a novelist, a screenwriter, I can say now. Do oh, I, am, I to, am I allowed to say that, Mike? You're a screenwriter? Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. I mean, I watched your movies, so I feel like I can say that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, one of my oldest friends in comics and one of my favorite people in comics, Mr. Michael Morisi. Thank hey. you for joining us, Yay. Yeah. Welcome. Glad to be here. I feel like we haven't seen each other so long. I've, 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 I don't, I don't want to talk to anybody. Yeah, yeah. I did forget what you look like. I first, I first made you text me. I was like, oh, is this Frank Barbieri? Fuck this. I'm not going <laughs> I like that when we haven't seen each other in a long enough time that your phone forgets who I am. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't put in contact information. I like to keep my memory sharp. Mm. That's good. That's good. Uh, I actually, there are certain times when I don't do that for a really long time. And I just don't know why when I'll, I meet someone and then I just don't bother to enter it. And then at a certain point, I have to contact that person and it sucks. And I don't know why I'm like this, but I am. The, the way you live stresses me out. <laughs> oh, it stresses me out too. Yeah. No, it's not good. Uh, it's not a well-planned life, but it's it's fine. We're doing okay. We're getting by. Yeah, you got a podcast. I mean, how bad can it be? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, once you have a podcast, everything is, it's all coasting. Every <laughs> podcast is doing good in life. It's, yeah. yeah, they wouldn't let you podcast if you were a faster person. <laughs> that's, true. that's true. There's only like 12 podcasts, so. <laughs> there are. It's, it's an honor to be one of the 12. <laughs> um, so, Michael, I, I feel like I always call you Mike, and then I feel like professionally you're Michael, and I've never actually bothered to ask, like, what should I call you? Oh, uh, I don't care. Whatever yeah. you prefer. See, that's what I thought. That's how I am with Matthew and Matt. Like, I don't actually care. And people are like, but which do you really care about? And I'm like, I really don't care. What about Matty Boy? Yeah, I really like that. That's my top <laughs> number one. And everything after that is, <laughs> everything after that is not okay. Uh, but it's weird that people force you into that answer, though. People really, like, care about it more than me, apparently. Or more than right. you. Like, no, really, yeah. I want to I get it right. Like, there is no wrong. Right? It's mm, fine. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like just just say a name and I'll respond. Probably. I know you're talking to me. You know that's the yeah, yeah, yeah. As, long as, <laughs> as long as you're looking at me, I'm probably going to answer your question. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, for those who don't know, you are the writer of a ton of stuff like uh, Barbaric and Wasted Space and The Joneses, and I wrote it all down. The Plot and Roach Limit and Hoax Hunters and Archangel Eight, and I'm not going to keep going. You wrote a lot of books. It's, it's a lot. You wrote a lot of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, stay busy. You know, I, um, it's weird. There's not, you know, as you're reading it, there's, there's no, it's, it's so funny. Like your career and mine, you went places that we kind of diverged. You went places that I didn't, that I didn't go. They were well, not that I didn't go. They didn't let me in. Um, but, like, <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, there's not a, there's not a Marvel DC book in that, in that collection. The only Marvel book mm-hmm. I wrote, I wrote one issue. It's because of you. I wrote. I wrote in your crossover. That's the you only wrote, Marvel. You wrote in my, uh, my event. Yeah, Annihilation yeah, the, Scourge. Um, Scourge. Oh right. Yeah, yeah. Which I uh, was going to write a note about, and then uh, got the name of the book wrong in the note. <laughs> <laughs> what did you call uh, it? Was, well, Annihilation. The, well, well, it was an, the first one's Annihilation, and then the sequel was called Annihilation Conquest. And the idea of the third one is that like the the negative zone is collapsing. Is sort of being torn apart and and imploding, and they don't know what to do. And I was like, we should call it Annihilation Collapse, and that's what it was called for a really long time internally. And like when we were working on it, it's called Annihilation Collapse. And then just at the last minute, they're like, it's called Scourge, and I was like, why? And no one had an answer as to why it was changed. <laughs> and, and I was like, okay. Scourge is one of those words, too. It's like, does anybody really know what that word means? I know it's bad. If it, it's bad. A scourge, yeah. it's bad. Right? I, I, yeah, I'm like, a, like, someone is a scourge. Like, they're the scourge of something. And I'm like, yeah. okay, but who's the scourge? <laughs> and I, like, I, I was like, I don't know who the scourge of this book is. I don't, maybe <laughs> I'm not using Marvel that character. Correctly. Scourge. Scourge. There is a Marvel <laughs> character named Scourge, and he wasn't in the book. There was, right? <laughs> um, which was extra oh. confusing. That I was like, okay, he's not in the book. <laughs> was he supposed to be in the book? Annihilation, uh, Daredevil. <laughs> uh, but you wrote the famous Annihilation Scourge Beta Ray Bill, which uh, was a very fun issue, and I enjoyed it quite a bit. No, thanks. Yeah, it was fun to write. It was fun. I worked on uh, Alberto with that, who was great. Mm-hmm. And um, that was it. That's the story. That If anybody was here for the story, <laughs> the oral history of my Marvel career, uh, the end. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for yeah. coming. <laughs> thanks, for, thanks for doing the podcast. This is really great. I hope everyone had a nice night. Um, thanks for not waking up, Griffin. Um, <laughs> The uh, no, uh, you know, I I I, I want to get into more than just your Marvel career, um, <laughs> but I, I think we we always start with a question that I think is kind of dull but functional. <laughs> That's how I say it. Which is, um, why do you make comics? That is a good question. That's I like nice. I like that question a lot. It is. It is because you know what? <clears throat> there is. You know, I was thinking about this the other day. I, during an interview and after an interview that I did that like you look at comics, if you look at the, like the pie of entertainment, you know, there you're slicing it up and slicing up there. You have, you have movies, you have TV and you have books and you have music and you have all this different stuff. You have, and now podcasting and joking, you know, I know we were joking before, but like podcast is now its own entertainment with narrative 
you know, narrative shows, things like that. I didn't, I didn't realize we were joking about that, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Ethan laughed. I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But you know, you slice that pie up and realistically the comic slice is, is pretty small. You know, we don't have like a huge, you know, readership. Mm -hmm. So it's, Mm -hmm. it's a tough thing to get into. It's a tough thing to pursue, and then you're pursuing something that's like a really kind of a niche thing. And it's like, yeah, there's a lot of questions like, well, why, why do this? And I think that like, one of the things I thought about, you know, it's interesting where I was thinking about this is with barbaric, you know, and knock on wood has become this cool uh, success and this thing that I do, but like, you know, it's a story that I only would be able to tell in the comics medium. And I don't think it's a story that I don't think would really work uh and in another medium you know and that's what's so special about comics is that like there are so many creative things you know i've i've worked now in film and i've worked in novels and there's creative things that you can do and i've done the most of my work in comics and there's stuff you can do here that you just can't do anywhere else you know mm-hmm. and um as challenging as it is you know there the, it also like gives you the most freedom and the most possibility you know that than really the other mediums that i can think of yeah. I mean, you've <clears throat> written a bunch of novels, some short story stuff and, and, and a movie. Like, do you feel when you do the other stuff, obviously they're rewarding in their own way, but do you feel like comics is sort of the natural path for you? Like, is it, is it the most comfortable for you at this point? Or like, is it just, you know, sort of where you, you've landed in some ways and, and, and like you're taking advantage of those the inherent advantages of comics or like do you now feel like very accustomed to comics well it's definitely comfortable but now i've i've definitely started to think a lot about what i want to do in comics like it is i've been you know it's weird i've been really lucky you know like it's and, and i'm sure you know this as well and you can probably speak to it probably even better than i can like carving out um an independent career is you know, and when I say that independent career, I mean a career as an independent comic creator uh, working mm-hmm. in the indie world is really hard. You know, like it's oh. just it doesn't <clears throat> happen often. And I've I've carved out a, a a good space. You know, I don't I don't do any Marvel and DC work. You know, and that's yeah. I mean that's a whole other story. But like, so being able to get here, I've gotten into this like pretty special space that I don't really take for granted you know and i'm really appreciative for but now i'm thinking i've thought about it a lot of like as i i haven't done a new book in a while besides like barbaric uh of like new being something that i created and i'm starting to have these thoughts of like well what do i want to do next in comics you know like what is the special thing that i want to do I, I mean maybe it's just maybe it's just maturity i don't know uh that like i'm like kind of like taking this step back and thinking more about it um but i'm definitely like aware of you know where i'm at and now it's like well what do i want to do with it you know what do i want to do with comics you know i i don't do know not, that i'll write do you not have that feeling in in for film or, or or prose or anything um for film for sure yeah i definitely have like but that's harder because like i you know this i guess that makes it more special in comics because like film if I want to do a comic, you know, most likely if I'm like, this is the comic I want to do, I can go do that comic. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sure for you too. If I had the same thing for a film, I, there's, that's <laughs> yeah. not happening. I mean, I don't, <laughs> you know? I don't think anyone has that for a film, but yeah. <laughs> no, like, um, 
you know, since Revealer came out, I, I've, you know, uh, had, you know, what, two to three movies that were getting made. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't have any other mm-hmm. movies made, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? So like, um, but it makes comics, not that it's like, not that I like go to the retreat of comics, like, Ooh, well, I couldn't do it as a comp. Nothing that I've wanted to do as a film. I've never gone and said, I'm going to go make a comic of it. The, mm-hmm. the, the films mm-hmm. are the films and those screenplays will, will, will exist only as scripts, you know? Yeah. Um, but like for comics, like, you know, I can, I can go and do, it as a comic these ideas or whatever i do as a comic and it's and it's very fortunate like i do feel that way for for film i I don't know about novels i think you know i like to do a lot of different things i enjoy wearing different hats uh novels Mm -hmm. is probably the most challenging just for me creatively i think it's writing a script is so much easier and i've talked to friends who are novelists and they 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 see writing a script as a nightmare where i think writing a novel is a nightmare just so (laughs) hard it takes so Mm -hmm. long um but yeah, I mean, I do feel a way about film. It's just a matter of like what you can do in both both mediums, like in terms of like what's the right story, but also like practically, like what can you get done? Yeah. Yeah, I, I it's funny that you talk about comics being <clears throat> easier than, than novels because I, um, when I started, I, I wanted, I, I thought a lot about being a novelist just because I didn't know comics people and I didn't, mm. I didn't know artists. And I was like, I don't know, like I loved comics and, and, you know, but I, I really thought about being a novelist. And I found that when I was trying to write prose that like, I would get lost in stuff that I would just be like, this is, you know, like I just wrote 60 pages, a 60 page scene that should have been five. Like, <laughs> and like a lot of that is like, you know, I know a lot of novelists who, who do that and they're like, yeah, that's just good editing. Like you just come through with a good editor and, and you have a good eye for editing and cutting it down. But I really love the like guardrails of a comic to be like, mm-hmm. yeah, you have to do these things. And I, and I talked to novelists who were like, it's a fucking nightmare that you have to like tell a cohesive story in 20 pages that has a cliffhanger and then do it every month. <laughs> They're like, I would kill myself if I had to do that. And I'm like, no, the nightmare is like just having the open road in front of you and just right. being, being cut loose. And yeah. so I'm always fascinated by people who do both, like where, where, where you're, where you feel more comfortable and more at ease. So that, that's something I've always sort of wanted to ask you. That's well, great. it's also, and I think you, would probably agree like there's something ma- inherently magical about collaboration too that makes yeah. your work better you know uh, being mm-hmm. alone and just writing it and that's that's another thing yes there's no guardrails like even a, a you know i write a film i know i'm not where i'm at and the budgets i work in you know yeah. i i have to keep a movie below 90 minutes you know because the longer it is then the longer the shoot and the longer the shoot the more money and that's just yeah. not not realistic so i have believe that that guardrail there of time and also format um but also like having other people to collaborate with you know like when you have that novel just such a solo endeavor it's such a complete endeavor like you have to write the whole thing a a comic Mm. i might have an idea for like the next four issues of barbaric but then i'll talk to nate along the way and we kind of figure one thing out and we tweak another and we go back and forth and it it morphs along the way Uh, novels just a straight shot you have to go straight mm-hmm. through that thing you know to and bring it to completion and that's hard that's yeah. really hard and, alone and also and i also think alone but also just like the time of like working on something and sort of being off the map and off the grid working on something like and i think about this for for screenwriters too of just like yeah you wrote a screenplay and then you know it's out in the wild for a couple of years and even if it's like being worked on it's still years and there's just something like 
something in my reptile brain that really cherishes the idea of like, I wrote it and in weeks I'm getting art back and in months we're talking about it. And in a few more months, like everyone's reading it. Like that is such a, a important part of the creation process for me. It feels more conversational not just with having a collaborator, but also yeah. with the audience. It feels like there's a real call and response to comics, which even though there necessarily isn't necessarily uh, that, like you feel more invested because you're still in the mindset of the book when the audience is consuming the book. It's not That's like a great point. I wrote this four years ago and now I'm a totally <laughs> different person and people want to talk right. to me about it. Like, <laughs> you know, I'm still thinking about the stuff I was thinking about three months ago. I mean, I'm still thinking about the stuff I was thinking about 30 years ago, but uh, a normal person. <laughs> um, and so I, well, I, yeah, I don't know. I think that, I think that comics is, is a funny thing. Cause like you said, it is a smaller medium, but it has all these, like, it has this sense of urgency and collaboration that I think are like so important and to so many creative people, to, to so many people who make it, that it feels like it's not a choice, you know, like you have yeah. to do this or you'd feel awful. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, you know, it's interesting because that's something I think about a little bit too. Like you think about like, like you said, that like quick response, you know, like something that's made fast, you know, relatively it's released and you're kind of able to have this conversation. There's a chance that whatever gets released, you're still working on that story at large. Like, do you think that that's, cause I, I look at your work and I see your evolution. If I look at four kids and I look at furthest place from here, like I can see I can see the path, you know, mm-hmm. that, that that brought you from here to there. Do you think that that the spirit in which comics is, is created helped bring you to that point? You know, I think it's it's a good question. I think it's partially the spirit in which comics are made. Like part of it is like me and Tyler just collaborating together and and growing and wanting to challenge each other. But also, I think part of it is like, and this is this is a funny it sounds like a knock on comics, but like to me, it's a point of celebration of comics is the, like the sense that of, of how small the, the operating space is like, we're, it's so intimate. And so like, obviously making a comic is expensive, but compared to making anything else, it's kind of (laughs) not. And so like, you know, for a book, like for this place, like we were like, yeah, let's just challenge ourselves to do stuff that we don't know if we can do. Like, let's mm-hmm. pu- push ourselves to try storytelling stuff that we're not comfortable in. Like, let's try I- try out ideas and all these things that you couldn't do in a movie, you couldn't do on a TV show, and mm-hmm. like, right, would be really reckless to do in a novel. But like, we're sort of like, yeah, we're on our own dime, we're on our own time, we're gonna chase some impulses and see where it goes. And like, I don't love necessarily putting that idea out there because it feels like we're asking people to buy our self-indulgent experiments in some ways. <laughs> but like, I also think for people who understand a creative process, like that's sort of where the most exciting thing is. Like for this place is my favorite thing I've ever made because I keep challenging myself to not be in my comfort zone with it, to be like, Oh, can is, we do this? Is, is there an example that you can give of something that you had to like, be like, I really have to get out of my comfort zone to do this. Yeah. I mean, we, it's an ongoing book. I mean, we have an ending, but it's an ongoing book where we didn't know what the middle was. Right. Um, That's really hard. You start a car speeding down the road. I mean, that was a big link for us. Like another, another example. And for this place was like, we really initially when we wrote the first issue, it was 
we had a lot of caption boxes that explained mm -hmm. the world. There was like narration that explained things. Mm -hmm. And we took all that out. And we were just wow. like, no, we don't want the audience to like, we don't want to hold their hand. Like mm -hmm. people who need that stuff, like this isn't the book for them and that's okay. Like, mm -hmm. and that's always a thing. Like, it's a funny thing for us because people are like, oh, I, I, people say this because they're comics fans and they'll say weird things to you, but they're like, oh, I tried, <laughs> I tried your book. I didn't like it <laughs> or it wasn't for me. And like, I find that weirdly validating on this book because I'm like, it isn't supposed to be for everyone. Like right. we're making a thing that's so specifically for me and Tyler that like mm. when people like it, we feel like this real connection, like they're kindred spirits in a way that like, if we were, you know, like when people were like, oh, I read your, you know, Batman comic. It wasn't for me. I'm like, well, that sucks. Like I was trying to make a very broad Batman comic and like it didn't work. It's not going to be for everyone. But like when you're making something that feels really personal, when people are like, oh, it didn't work for me, knowing that it did work for someone else, like that feels okay. Like, and that's, yeah. that's something that I think is really uh, been an interesting thing about about yeah about the evolution of of making this stuff like you said mike like it's it's really i mean we're growing up on page and creatively yeah. and that's that's fun like you don't not a lot there's not a lot of opportunities to do that we started the show by talking about how many books you have and like how you know they're all you know for the most part like independent stuff and like um you you've now got the movie and like we're talking about this experimentation thing and like comfort zones and like there is like the recurring thing of hell in a lot of your stuff with with barbaric obviously <laughs> and with revealer and stuff and it's like is that is that by happenstance or is that sort of where your you know vibe is at or, or are these things sort of experimental for you or like what where where is your you know your uh, sweet spot as far as storytelling goes yeah, that's, yeah, I mean, it's something I, I'm trying to figure out, you know, maybe mm. it's just like, <clears throat> you know, I used the word before, like maturity, like, I, I you know, I, I there, once upon a time, you know, I would have done just because I was so eager to work, um, mm. that I would, I would say yes to like any project, you know, I was just right. so excited to to do comics um, that I'd be like, yeah, sure, I'll do it, you know, I'll figure out a way to make it cool. Maybe I don't know quite what this pro you know what this property is or what it is but i'll i'll, I'll find my way in you know um mm -hmm. now not so much you know like and it's not because that sounds almost like a snobbish thing to say like i feel like from a from a working class background it's like you can never say no to work unless you be like just a massive snob which right, right. is not the case like it's not like i'm turning my nose up or anything but i'm also just trying to be more judicious because i i i don't I creatively want to kind of figure out what my sweet spot is, you know, cause mm. you know, you go through this phase, you first get an account, you finally break in, you know, you finally get your chance and like, you're like, I'll do anything. You know, I just right. want to, I don't know if this is going to last and I want to make good relationships and I want to just, I'm eager to work. So I'm just going to take whatever comes my way and make the most of it. And maybe I'm overworked and maybe it's not quite a right fit, but I'm going to do it anyway. And I'm going to find the best kind of the best version of this thing. Right? right. Um, and now I'm like, well, I don't really, I don't really need to do that. And I don't really want to do that because I want to now, uh, kind of discover what those sweet spots are. And I think I, I and I've started to, you know, I think wasted space was the turning point, like creatively mm. for me, where I started to right. figure out like what this, what this kind of, what kind of voice I wanted to have and what kind of stories I wanted to tell as, as a comic creator. And I think that's barbaric is definitely a direct, ex, you know, extension of wasted space. You know, it's oh, the, right. barbaric wouldn't exist without wasted space coming first. Mm -hmm. 
because I, I feel like I worked out all the kinks of like this particular voice in Waste of Space. Um, mm-hmm. And then Barbaric just kind of started. Like it's almost like Barbaric's like the 26th issue of Wasted Space in a way, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so, I mean, that's kind of what I'm trying to do now. Is like, I'm like, I just want to take on the right projects and create the right projects and do things that are interesting interesting to me like not to take anything away from anything i've done before especially things i've created but now it's like okay i want to be just more more careful because i want to i don't know you just never know how long you get to do this thing you just never know you know for whatever reason and the things i do i want to be more precious about and and really and really care about them uh start to finish yeah absolutely how's it am i here is it? Oh my God! Where did you come hey. from? Hey, Griffin! Hey. Jesus! Um, sorry for interrupting. I'm sure it's been a great 25 minutes. I had a I had a follow up sort of in that same line, Mike. Um, you're talking about being on the right projects, picking the right projects, creating the right projects. How far down the line of working on something? do you does it like sort of click like is it sort of like as soon as you have the idea or hear about the idea that you're like that's the one or do you have to go at least a certain you know amount down the rabbit hole before you realize "Hmm, this isn't it or yeah this is definitely it yeah i mean sometimes sometimes i mean it, it varies you know there's sometimes we have this you know, where we're especially like, like, for instance, like in a, a existing property or something, it's like, Hey, do you want to write this? And there's been times I'm like, no, that's not really, I know. I'm like, that's not really a fit for me. That doesn't really, doesn't really make sense. And I don't really have any good ideas. You should, for that, you you should say, you should give example. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Batman, uh, yes, Superman, yeah, the yeah, X-Men so- turned all those down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was, you know, I think, I think Hickman took over then Tinian. It was after I said no, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> you must get a lot of thank you emails. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. They're going to they're gonna find out after they watch this. <laughs> but don't ask. I, there's no follow-up questions to that, by the way. <laughs> no, I think um, I, you know, I think Griffin, Griffin's question is interesting. I, I think it's interesting to watch your career because, like, we know each other from the internet from years ago when both of us, I don't think either of us was published at the time. Um, or you no. maybe just done that book at Marcosia? Or maybe it wasn't Probably. even out yet? I don't think it was out when I met you. No, I don't um, think so. I think that's when you and I and Frank too. Um, I remember there's like three of us. There's probably other people that I'm that I'm losing sight of. I know like James came. You know, there's a few yeah. other people who came later. But that initial was really us, and that was before. I remember, gosh, you. What were you? I know Frank had the ash can of five ghosts. What What did you? Oh, uh, I had like a self published uh, um, version of We Can Never Go Home that i was and then a bunch of like uh sort of mini comic stuff that i was trying to yeah. do yeah and see before this is before the wu-tang book was like even like yeah, before yeah. that it was before the wu-tang book yeah. yeah and but but the thing you know the reason i knew that i liked you um was because like i was just like man he's really like thinking career he's not just thinking creatively like you were thinking creatively about your passions but you were like thinking about like talking to the right people and how do I get my ideas in front of people in ways that like other people I was talking about making comics were like, just like, I want to make a comic and then it'll come out. And you'd be like, how's it going to come out? And they'd be like, 
well, it'll be good, so it'll come out. And you're like, okay, cool, have a have a nice time with that. Um, but you were just like, yeah, I want to do this. And and it's fascinating to me to watch your career. And sort of, I was looking back, I was um, sort of looking through some of your stuff and thinking about it. And like, the thing that really blew me away is like you have you have your you know you've done a lot of licensed stuff. You did like Stranger Things stuff and and. Um, a lot of Star Wars and and uh, Battlestar Galactica comics, which I only vaguely remember that you did, but you did do, I think, right? <laughs> yeah, um, I think most people vaguely. That's the best you can get. <laughs> um, and you did the Artemis Fowl, which I don't know what it is, but apparently it's a very big deal. Um, and I remember you told me about it, and you were, like, I was like, "That's cool, man," and you were like, "No, this is a big deal." And I was like, "Okay," and then it's it was a big deal. Possibly the best gig I've ever had in my life. Like, yeah, just really? nobody, yeah. no pressure whatsoever. Um, the editor who's wonderful um, really just is like hey I trust you you just go do your thing I'm like that's it she's like yeah <laughs> go ahead and it's a great book so you just you take this book you put it into a comic format and you're out yep. still don't know what it is right um, <laughs> <laughs> no but the, the thing that really blew me away and I, I was just like sort of and I knew it in the back of my head but like the thing that really shocked me about your career is how many publishers you're like one of the launch people at their company for. And it's oh. really crazy. Like how many publishers you're in there early and like doing stuff. And I think it's a real testament to you as a, mm. as a hustler and someone who's whatever, but also a real testament to you in the sense that like all these publishers were like, Oh yeah, this is the guy we want at the front front, front of our launch. Mm. This is the guy, like the first wave guy, but like, you were one of the first Black Mask books. You were one of the first Z2 books. You were one of the first of the relaunched Heavy Metal books. You were one of the first Vault books. You were one of the first Zest World books. Uh, you were one of the first AWA books. It's kind of crazy. <laughs> I, never know, I, never, I never noticed that. I honestly, God, never thought about that. that yeah, you're, like, you're like the, the first guy they send out to be like, yeah, this guy should be, is the guy we want to like representing the brand. Yeah, and I was those like, guys always die though. <laughs> the tip of the spear are the first to go. Well, <laughs> I, I was trying to figure out how to ask you that politely of just like, you did a lot of books at publishers who are cool publishers before they sort of had a name and a recognition and like, found their footing and so there's a bunch of books like you have an early z2 book and an early black mask book that are good books but are like those companies weren't quite hadn't quite figured out how to sell books yet and then you end up landing at vault and it just works it just clicks mm. like you become like one of the main guys there you become like one of the top sellers there if not the top seller you're doing you know, besides the plot, you're doing like Wasted Space, which is going, what, like 25 issues, and now Barbaric is this huge thing, like do you feel like that's Vault? Do you feel like that's you learning things? I know you said a little bit like Wasted Space is where you found your footing, but like what changed? Like do you do you notice a change? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think there's just the creative like uh, relationship that Vault and I have, uh, particularly, you know, I, I get along with both Wassel brothers, Damien and Adrian. I, and I point, I sing which on one, Which just, one do you like more? Um, let's see. They have a third brother, actually. Uh, Zippy. <laughs> <laughs> He's your favorite, yeah. yeah, Zippy Wassel's the best. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but, but no, I sing on Adrian because Adrian and I are, are, are together and talking all the time. Because he's, you know, he's my editor. Um, 
But I think, yeah, I think it works because, you know, in those other instances, which I hadn't really noticed, you know, like there was, you know, an editor, and I I won't say who, it wasn't from Vault, but an editor once told me like, uh, and he was like, I just love working with you so much because you just do your job and you don't say anything. (laughs) 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 And I was like, you know, that's actually kind of the best compliment I can have. Like, it just like, I just do what I'm here to do, you know, like it's yeah, not, right. but like, but with, but with vault, um, it, you know, I remember the first book I pitched to vault, um, they rejected and I, and I was like, kind of almost upset. Cause I was like, who the fuck <laughs> do these guys <laughs> like, and, um, it was the first time I, you know, I got on the phone with Adrian, uh, cause he said, no, man, I don't think this is the one. I think you can do something better, you know, and the waste of space thing was born. That was the next pitch and he was right, but they, they have a cool way of like challenging you. And they challenged me in some like really cool ways that makes me really, I don't know. It makes me feel really like confident. Like, and I don't think that I would be able to do that everywhere. I don't think I, you know, you can't have that relationship everywhere. Cause when you, and I think, you know, like, you know, like when you have a relationship with an editor or something, it's a, it's a profound kind of thing. Like you have a really serious relationship with somebody who really gets you creatively. And a, a lot of editors make the mistake of like, they want to bring you to a place that's in their mind. Like this is where the story needs to go the best editors are able to discern what's already in your mind and help you get there in the best way possible. And Adrian, at least with me, does that terrifically. And, and that's such a rare thing. And yeah, I mean, I think like the difference is this, that creative clicking and like, they also like have shown confidence in me. They're like, you know, they, they're like, you know, we're going to, we're going to do waste of space for 25 issues because we believe in it creatively. And we're going to, you know, give you this chance to do the plot and then barbaric and, you know, these bets have paid off and we've been lucky, but like, not everybody, like, you know, Matt, I mean, the, the plug gets pulled quickly and the grass is always greener for, from a publisher's perspective, from an editor's perspective. And it's, it's really, it's really easy to lose your footing as a creator uh, in any situation. And I, and, and I value that vault has shown that I'm not going to lose my footing, you know, even if the book misfires, it's okay. When you went into wasted space um, and I guess the same can be asked of barbaric, like, did you know, like, I want to do these big things like you, cause you don't have a track record of that because you're creator on guy. It's very rare to get 25 issues on anything. Like, was that always a plan or did you have to like, be like, well, we're going to go to six and try and run or like, where did you, where did you know that you would be hitting, hitting that? Um, <clears throat> wasted space was, is such an interesting thing. Cause I, you know, I'll be candid here that the numbers don't justify they never really did justify Waste of Space going as long as they did. And Vault knows this. But Vault's point of view on it was like, look, we it came out and it did really well critically. Mm-hmm. The fans who read it really loved it and had like a nice, I don't know, for lack of a better term, cult following. So they were like, look, we want to have a flagship title. You know, we want to have, we're, we're just coming out, you know, and we believe in this book and we think it's going to have a long life. Uh, so we want to commit to it despite, you know, it, the numbers not bearing it out. You know, we're going to, we're going to ju- make, make this decision based on other things. Um, so we had that discussion and I always knew that it could go longer uh, if given the opportunity and we decided creatively, hey, let's set this market 25. 25 is a big number and let's just do it and stick to it. And um, I don't know. It was really it was really 
something again that's just goes that relationship with all that's rare and no no publisher just writes yeah. something out especially not for that long maybe they'll be like okay you can have another arc to close it out or something like that you know if you're mm -hmm. lucky but 15 more or no i'm sorry 20 more issues is is mm -hmm. wild because originally five yeah. um so it, it it was kind of a mutual thing where creatively i wanted to do it and vault was in a place where they just really wanted to have a title i mean it also had to do with hayden being so fast and so reliable that sure. we're like we can do this for a long time and we can have this be our vault or nucleus you know and do stuff around it and and i think it worked out both well for both of us because of the longevity of that series again not just creatively but i think the consistency of it and the way it kind of picked up some steam is what kind of helped me get barbaric ultimately yeah yeah mm. And now but that's what you don't see. Nobody wants to invest anymore. Sorry to interrupt you, but that's the thing. That's the that's right. the one thing that 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 bugs me about comics and all, all mediums and all entertainment mediums. There's just such a lack of investment. You know, nobody wants mm -hmm. to. We invest in all the wrong things. You know, you know. Every time I like feel like every week. I go on CBR and there's like a new writer who's you know doing this who's pulled from they wrote you know half an episode of season nine of supernatural or some shit and there's some like <laughs> damn you know half an episode huh shit. Yeah, the, Not, they didn't even make it the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah okay <laughs> but you know it's just so eager to invest in superficiality and so eager to invest in things that are just long-term investments where i see so mm. and i'm sure you you can name so many creators who are so good and really never got a real shot because they sure. were never invested. And then you see all these like, here's a, a wrestler is going to write five issues of yeah. this. And like, why? Why? I I, I always why? I always think it's funny. <laughs> like I I understand like I understand the idea of the stunt cat. Like TV mm. writers is a different thing to a certain degree, but like, I understand the stunt casting of like, this wrestler is going to come write a book and like, maybe, yeah. they're great. maybe they're great. But I'm always like, I always laugh at like, the film and TV thing, just from an editorial perspective of like bringing in film and TV writers only for the fact that like, there's no TV show or movie who's like, let's get a fucking comic book writer to come in here and write an episode. <laughs> and I was like, when you as an editor does that, you're making us the little brother, little sister medium. Like you're mm -hmm. saying your resume means that you automatically can come in here and do this job. It's not a craft based right. thing. And their industry does not do the same thing for us. And no. therefore like there's a power dynamic that's different. And like, I just think about it a lot and like, you know, there, there are obviously exceptions and there are people who come in and are great at, you know, there were TV writers who are great. There are film writers who are great comic writers. Um, sure. I mean, I remember when, um, oh, I can't believe I'm drawing a blank on his name. He started writing Black Panther. Tommy Hussey. Coates. Yes. And yeah. he had this great interview. And granted, his first arc was rough. And he's, he'll be the first to admit it. He's, he came, he had this great interview where he and I, I don't remember where it was i think it was with slate or something he's like i had to learn how to write comics and it was really hard and he's like i wish i can go back to my first thing he said like six or eight issues of black panther and do it all over again yeah. and that guy's a genius yeah. he's literally he's got, he got <laughs> he's the grant for it yeah. he got the grant <laughs> <laughs> uh, i, I remember maybe when... the guy who wrote the half episode of supernatural is a genius too i don't know you know yeah. <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't get the grant though um, <laughs> yeah. no, i remember, I remember the, Bla the black panther <laughs> stuff i was with i went and had lunch with will moss who's the editor of black panther and is one of the best editors in comics hands down mm. and i was doing a book with him and i asked i i said you know where's uh where's Tom Hesey on his Black Panther? Like, what issue is he on? Like, just where he is he in the book? And he was like, oh, he turns in, like, a year's worth of script at a time. 
That's and I was insane. like, what? And he's like, yeah, he'll turn in like the whole arc so that like he knows where it is. He doesn't write it piece by piece. And uh, I said, how do you get to be able to do that? You know, because I was like, yeah, it's the dream to just be able to be like, yeah, I sat down and had the time to write all this thing. And you guys are just yes. like, and, and, and Will uh, being a great editor and a great person at, at conveying the reality of the world went, I don't know, Matt, be a fucking genius. <laughs> And I was like, yeah, I guess I'll work on that. Uh, <laughs> uh, Did you do it? No, no. I chose oh, okay. to put my energy yeah, yeah. someplace else. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. We've all got Who priorities. needs that half million grant anyway? <laughs> yeah, no strings needs, attached. <laughs> who needs international respect and acclaim? <laughs> um, but yeah, I think, I think yes, for sure. There are there are always the, the outliers and, and people who come in and, and are great at it. And I think, you know, I think the opposite of that is like closing doors and being like comics writers write comics is like right. gross. And That's like, true. you can't, you can't do that, but there is always, you know, there has to be a balance and, and it tips both ways where it's just like, well, now it's the same 80 straight white dudes writing comics and it's boring. Right. And it's like, well, now it's anybody who, uh, you know, has ever written an adult swim show as a, as a, as a series. And you're like, well, right. that's not. Yeah. Really and that's the thing. Out. And they, and I think the thing that irks me is that they don't stick around. And that's what I'm yeah. thinking about mm -hmm. like investment. You know, you get this kind oh, of fly sure. by night mentality where not only, like you said, it cheapens it. Cause it's just like, Hey, comics, anybody can write them, you know? Um, mm -hmm. But it also kind of like, they, they, none of very, very, very seldom do any of the, those, those people stick around, you know? So yeah, like, yeah. it just, it just makes it better to like cultivate talent. You know, I remember, God, this makes seem like it's ancient history, but like there was just like a, like a path, you know, to like building up in comedy. You started, you started, you made your bones in it, you know, indie, then you built up, you did some stuff and you built up and built up and built up. And by the time you kind of got to the big stage, you were, you were prepared for it and you, you had, you had, yeah. you had honed your skills, but now it's like so many people just start like at that top level, which I almost feel bad for them. Cause it's like, you're, you're, you're being exposed in yeah. real time, you know, and, and you just haven't been fashioned for this because writing TV and comics and, and books are not the same thing. Oh, for sure. And, <clears throat> and, and it goes, and it's every element of it. It's, it's craft, but it's also the audience and, and the reaction and the, and the way things are. And like, yeah, it's being shoved into the deep end completely. I mean, I remember when I started at Marvel, someone at Marvel was like, yeah, you know, it's pretty impressive that you're here. You literally, like my, my first script at Marvel was, I was asked to turn in my first script after the second issue, We Can Never Go Home, came out. So they were like, you've written two issues of creator-run comics, and you're <laughs> writing a script in Marvel. They were like, that is crazy. Wow. And I was I like... Never, I feel like you've been around for so much longer, though. I Well, I had, but I wasn't published. Like, I was trying to do stuff, and I just couldn't get stuff mm -hmm. going. So, like... Yeah, I think editors knew who I was, but like, I don't think they read anything. I mean, I if they had it, I wasn't worth. That's a good reason why I wasn't working. But like, you should have been Ray Romano or whatever. So yeah. Come in, I just feel like I don't know. I wrote a book about an alligator, but really, somebody else wrote it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I I remember at the time, like Marvel, someone at Marvel just being like, "It's really impressive that you're here. Like, you should feel really good about this." And then, like a few years later, it was a lot of people who were like this person has a really great Twitter and has a lot of interesting thoughts about this character. Right. So we gave them the book and like, that's a fresh blood thing and I get it. And there are some good writers who've come out of that. And like, there were a lot of good, like comics journalists who come out of that. Like Kelly Thompson was a comics journalist and like, she's one of my favorite writers. She's one of the best writers mm -hmm. in the industry. So it's like, I didn't know that. 
yeah yeah she was a she was a reviewer and a, a critic and stuff and oh, and so there's a, a lot of like yeah and there's a lot of that but it also yes i feel like uh, there's not a minor league system anymore right um in in the way that like a minor league system is helpful like it helps people and i see a lot of these people get to a marvel or a dc and burn out because they're like i'm getting screamed at for these things and it's like well you're not right. used to like a low level of getting yelled at before right. you got you got to go to chattanooga before you go to yankee stadium you know yeah, exactly <laughs> yeah yeah you want to get mud thrown at you in someone's backyard before you're pit fighting before the whole coliseum exactly. um yeah but like you know and, and i feel bad because i'm like yeah it's not a good place to learn like you don't want to no. learn in front of an audience of 60 or seventy thousand. like it's mm. and like you know, there's good editors who are going to hold your hand and guide you, but like, there's a lot of things that you learn in comics that are trial and error, and it's it's scary that there isn't. And I don't think that's specifically a big two problem. I think it's also an indies problem. I think indies have a really hard time finding and developing talent, like you said, and breaking talent. And and like, oh, yeah. you know, uh, Marvel and DC have a hard time pulling people from the indies if the indies aren't propping people up that they can use um yeah i mean if someone asked me uh and you got I mean, you this is a common question and i really don't know how to answer anymore and i get asked uh, frequently um you know how do you break into comics and i, I could have answered that 10 years ago you know mm-hmm. i could have told i, I yeah, could yeah. answer that immediately now i don't know uh, <laughs> i mean write a white write a YA novel maybe yeah. <laughs> you know like right. i don't know like what the path is like there's no like I feel like it, like writing indies is so it's, I, I don't know how you would now without having some sort of credentials, get it, get your indie book, your creator own book at boom. I don't know how you would get it dark horse or, or mm-hmm. anywhere mm-hmm. like where bef- there seemed to be more fluidity and flexibility, even in the indies that doesn't really exist now. Sure. And I don't know. And that's, that's a problem. That's a problem of like cultivating new talent, you know, and getting yeah. new voices and getting new perspectives. Like, it's not just about finding the people, but it's also about cultivating. I think that's what we're talking about. It's also yeah, about yeah. cultivating them. Yeah. And I giving mean, I, them the best opportunities to succeed. It, it's interesting because like you're talking about Vault and like, obviously I know the Vault guys and I have a tremendous amount of respect for them. And I, I love the, love the books. And, um, but I always, you know, for me that the place that was nurturing to me was black mask and like Mm -hmm. i know other people have other experiences there and um you know like some people came and did a book and left and some people didn't and and like but for me like black mask was really a a home base for me but i always point to black mask when people are like oh yeah black mask i'm like look my first creator on book was there tyler boss's first creator on book was there vita ayala's first creator on book was there teeny howard's first creator on book was there um, you know, the list is long of people who it's like, this is our first creator on book. Like a lot of Amon K. Noel fans, first creator on book was there. Like, um, Patrick Kinlan, like just a lot of people who are, are writing books and working in this industry and like mags, like a lot of people are doing their first work there. And I was like, I feel like the fucking industry didn't turn around and support that or recognize that enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like all these people ended up like, dipping their toes in Marvel at DC, doing books at Image, doing books at Boom, doing books at, at Vault, doing books wherever. And like, no one was ever like, oh, this is a this is the thing that we need. This is a, a proving ground for people to come out. And like, for you to say like, well, Vault really supported me and, and had my back in a, in a way that really helped me. Like, it's awesome to hear and, and like really inspiring and, mm-hmm. and cool. Um, but it's also funny to me because you're a dude who had 
15 creator-owned books before then. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, you, you should have been getting that support years earlier. You should have been there. Like, you have the track record of being like, I made all these books. These books came out. They sold. I have an audience. I have a fan base. And so it's really mm -hmm. a fascinating thing to think about. Yeah, like our paths versus what a path is now and 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 how to how to get places where it's a sustainable career is really, really complicated, I think. Well, it's funny um, because like when people talk about like, you know, su you know, supporting creator own books or supporting, you know, whatever the case may be, I, you know, you, you can you can twist that. So it, to make it sound like, like some sort of like philanthropic effort, but yeah. it's really not. It's really not like uh, like, for example, like if you look at like um like the theater, which is something else that needs, you know, everyone's always, you know, supporting the theater, support live theater. It needs it more than ever. And that's true. You look at like, um, you know, many, many years ago, the, the, there was a theater group that was like Ethan Hawke, Steve Zahn, John Lokuzama, and uh, Anthony Rapp. We're all in the same theater group. <clears throat> and the, that's where these guys got their names. And now they're, they're all, you know, important figures you know yep. people that i look up to you know ethan hawk i think and john lakwazama are brilliant you know yep. um but they needed that theater they needed that theater to exist so they could work on their craft and work on who they were as artists yep. you know and it's important to now what their work is now you know yes maybe you didn't see ethan hawk on stage doing Macbeth in 19 you know 91 but like you sure enjoy it now you sure enjoy what he's doing now you know mm -hmm. so like if you don't support you know if you don't kind of if we don't have a system in comics it's the same thing where there you know black mask was list you know existed all too briefly you know and there's so many companies that really are publishers i say came and got, went too quickly and had great people there and there's really no reason for them to fail you know other than <clears throat> black mask is still a company but yeah oh yeah well they're still around you know, yeah you know. <laughs> but the, uh, uh, no i know what you're saying um obviously for you and me the high point of ethan hawk was that you and me sat behind him when we saw rise of skywalker together what did ethan hawk think about rise of skywalker he seemed happy when he left he seemed, he seemed like, he's just he was just crying as he walked out of the theater he was <laughs> like he was like they cloned the emperor he said it like five times and i was like he's processing it it's his process yeah. and um <laughs> Palpatine. He was. A, he's a big Legends fan, so it was definitely. Yeah. yeah. He was like, I thought they were going to get Luke in this one. Right, right, right. right. And I was um, like, you got to let it go, Ethan Hunt. Yeah, they're not going to. Yeah. They're not going to get Luke. Um, the. Uh, he's like, where's this? Where's the dagger of Mortis? I thought the dagger of Mortis was in this. One. <laughs> um, I'm confused. Is this Mara Jade? <laughs> I don't think it is. Like, I wanted her last name to be Jade. When she said her last name, <laughs> Ray Jade. Uh, Ray Jade. Um, very, I feel like now that I said that out loud, that someone had it's to be probably like, a thing. Uh, it's gonna be Mara Jade. It's gonna be. You just put it out into the universe. Thank mm. you. We yeah. need something for nine. We need something. Nice, <laughs> <laughs> Mara Jade. Um, yeah, but I mean, I think Ethan really enjoyed the movie, and I love that he came from that theater background, and I appreciated that. Um, while we watched it. Um... <laughs> and that brings us to the end of part one of our discussion with Michael Marisi. Make sure to check out Barbaric Hell to Pay, Revealer, and everything else Michael is working on by giving him a follow on Twitter at Michael Marisi. To get the latest episodes of this podcast, as well as news, giveaways, and even comics delivered straight to your inbox, go to ashcanpress.com and sign up for the newsletter. 
We'll be back next week for part two of our discussion. And in the meantime, you can write to us at ideasdon'tbleedpod at gmail.com or tweet to Matthew Rosenberg at Ashcan Press on Twitter, me at Tales to Astonish, or Griffin at Griff Sheridan. We'll include some of your correspondence on the show, and we'd love to hear what you have to say. And big thanks to Summer People for our theme song, Where's the Poison? Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.